You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Today I want to talk to you, and my sermon title is The Perks of Being a Sheep. The Perks of Being a Sheep. And the passage that we're going to speak out of is John chapter 10. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the different I am statements that Jesus made when he was speaking and recorded in the book of John. The very beginning, we talked about Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. That word resurrection means to stand up in recovery. That he, in this moment, he is our stand up and he is our recovery in whatever we're going through. Two weeks ago, we talked about him being the way. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We talked about enjoying the journey. That as we go through life with Jesus by our side, we need to learn to enjoy the journey. That when he says he is the way, that means he is our direction. He tells us and shows us where to go. He is the truth. He's showing us the right way. He's the life, that Zoe life that we've been talking about. Just that full energy and abundance of life. Last week we talked about how easy doors are to install. They're very easy, according to people somewhere in this region. Very easy to install. Some other people next to her beg to differ. (laughs) But we talked about how maybe not the natural doors are easy, but Jesus makes a statement that I am the door in John chapter 10. We talked about him being the entrance into that new covenant. We're going to pick up right where we left off, where it says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and more abundantly. And we see before that, he just healed a man on the Sabbath. There's a lot of people that are angry about it. A lot, of, a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees and people are angry about it because Jesus broke the custom and tradition of the old covenant by doing work on the Sabbath. He spit on the ground, he made some mud pies, put the mud pies on the man's eyes, then told the man, hey, go and wash at the pool of Siloam. And he did that, but he was washing his face, also breaking another tradition. You're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. God told you to rest on the Sabbath. You shouldn't be washing your face on the Sabbath. But God is healing him in the middle of him doing the thing that he's not supposed to be doing. And now the Pharisees are criticizing this man, they're criticizing Jesus, they're talking to him, and Jesus goes into this parable, into this statement where he talks about being a shepherd. And he talks about, in the middle of that, of being the door. And he says, everyone who came before me were enemy and thieves. We talked about that last week. And we're going to pick up in John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, going to verse 14. Jesus makes the statement, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. So Jesus is making the statement, here we have another I am statement, where he says, I am the good shepherd. We being saved, we being in the family of God, are now known as sheep. Congratulations. 
So if Jesus is the good shepherd and I'm a sheep, then I want to know the perks of being a sheep. I want to know, okay, if he's my shepherd, then what do I get out of it for being in his fold, for being a part of his flock? It's a great question. We're going to dive through these three, four verses and find five things of the perks of being a sheep. Number one, being a sheep, you have a good shepherd. Jesus makes this statement. He's the one who makes the statement three different times in this short passage where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And at the very last verse, verse 14, just to remind you, oh, by the way, I'm a good shepherd. He's the one who announces to everyone that he is the good shepherd. That word good in the Greek is way more than the word good that we use in the English language. Here's what Jesus said when he said good shepherd. Beautiful, handsome, excellent, eminent, surpassing, precious, useful, suitable, commendable, admirable, beautiful to look at, shapely, magnificent, good, excellent in its nature and characteristic, and therefore well adapted to its ends, beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, and hence praiseworthy. A little bit better than just being a good shepherd. Jesus announces and tells you that him being the shepherd, you being the sheep, that he is beautiful by reason of purity of heart and life, and therefore, because of those things, is praiseworthy. He's trust, he's dependable, he's magnificent, he's precious, he's useful. And all of these things are things that we can lean on and rely on when we have that good shepherd. We all know good animal owners, and we definitely know some of the animal owners who shouldn't be owning animals. We know the ones who love and take care of their animals. They feed their animals. They love their animals. Get their hair cut. Get their nails done. The bad ones, we know what they do. They usually get arrested and blasted on the news for beating them up, tying them up. When they mess up, you've seen the pictures on social media of dogs with their snouts taped shut or burned, or discarded. It's not God. God makes the statement that he's a good shepherd. He's a good <laughs> pet owner. That he's there to take care of you. He's there to feed you. He's there to love you. He's there to manicure you. He's there to make sure that you get what you need. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. We've probably heard this scripture before. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God is what brings me closer to the shepherd. The goodness of the things that he did is what brings me closer. It's what causes me to repent. It's what causes me to see the error in my ways is when I see the goodness, when I see the good shepherd taking care of me, is when I start getting away 
from the bad things, when I start getting away from the addictions, when I start getting away from the sin, it's the goodness of God that brings me to the repentance. Why do we in the church keep highlighting the bad things that we do? It's the goodness that we should be teaching about. It's the goodness that we should be preaching about. It's the good shepherd that we should be teaching about. Because the more you hear about the goodness of him is what makes him praiseworthy. Is what makes you see the purity of Jesus. Is what makes you see the purity of his life, the purity of his heart. When you see how beautiful he is and what he did for you, it can't help you but say, I'll do whatever you want, God. I'll go wherever you want. I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll graduate college. I'll start my career. Oh, you want me to go to Bible school? It's the goodness of God. I'll go. I'll go to Bible school. You want me to go back to Louisiana? I'll, I'll go. I'll go because you've blessed me so much. I'll go. You want me to move to Dallas? Serve? I'll do that. I'll go. You want me to leave Dallas? You want me to go to South Carolina? I'll go. I'll go. Because I've seen his goodness over and over again. And it just makes me want to serve him and get closer. It's the goodness of God. He's a good shepherd. Number two, a perk of being a sheep. You have a giving shepherd. You have a good shepherd. Number two, you have a giving shepherd. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. He gives his life for his sheep. Romans 8.32 says, He, being God, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What this scripture says is if God is willing to give you Jesus, then he's not willing to withhold anything else from you. If he's willing to give you his one and only son, his best gift, if he's willing to give you that, why would he not also give you anything and everything that you ask for? If he gave you that gift, because we have a giving shepherd, he gives his life for you. He was up in heaven living his best life, enjoying all the perks of being the son of God, hanging out, Adam and Eve sinned, and Jesus volunteers and says, I'll go. If you keep reading in John chapter 10, he says, nobody takes my life. I freely give it. Jesus, sitting on the throne, hanging out, having a good time in heaven, decided to come down to earth. And not even really the good time of earth. No iPhones, no cars. He goes to the desert in Israel he doesn't have the luxuries that we now have at that time. And he decides that he's going to die for you and me. If I'm Jesus and I'm going to die for humanity, I'm going to go search through history. I'm going to go stand on the edge of eternity. And I'm going to look at all the ways that people die in history. Okay, if we go all the way to the beginning of time, people are getting eaten by dinosaurs. Nope, probably don't want to do that. If I go all the way over here, there's easier methods now in our time for a person to die. We have the lethal injection. Three shots, you take a nap, 
and you're gone. So they say. Haven't tried it yet. He could have come during that time and said, oh, that's an easy way to die. That's simple. I can just lay on a, a gurney, have them pump me up. But he shows up at the time where the Romans are at their most powerful time, where they're crucifying everyone. Crucifixion is the way to go if you tick off the Romans. And they just didn't, it wasn't caveman times where they just kind of hammered away and said, oh, let's see if we can get him nailed to the cross this way. Let's just kind of whip him with our belts. No, they were excellent in how they tortured people before they died. The way that they whipped people, they were professionals. The way that they crucified people, they crucified people with the main focus of how can a person suffer so much before they die? How can they hammer these nails into their arms, I mean into their, their hands, their wrists, their feet, to where it's pinching and poking the most nerves, where their lungs are filling up with blood? He decided to come at this time to experience that death, to take care of all of the things that needed to be done so that you could walk and receive the new covenant. That's a good shepherd. That's a giving shepherd who would give up his own life. And if he did all that for you, how would you not think that he also wants to give you healing? He wants to give you salvation. He wants to give you freedom from that addiction. He wants to give you freedom in that relationship. He wants to give you freedom in whatever you need. He wants to meet your financial needs. He wants to help you in this. He wants to help you in that. He's a giving shepherd. Number three, the perks of being a sheep. Number one, you have a good shepherd. Number two, you have a giving shepherd. Number three, you have a protective shepherd. John 10, verse 12, it says, But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So we have to see what the Bible says, but we can also infer what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible says if there's a hireling and he sees a wolf, he's going to run away from the wolf. He's not going to fight the wolf. He's not going to do anything. He's going to run away and the sheep are going to scatter. The wolf's going to eat everything. So if that's what the hireling does, then the opposite has to be true with what Jesus, your good shepherd, would do. If the hireling won't protect the sheep from the wolves, then that must mean Jesus will protect the sheep from the wolves. That means that Jesus won't run away when the wolves come to try and attack you, they try and hurt you, they try and do something. If that's what the hirelings will do, then we have to be able to infer that Jesus is saying, then I'll do that. If they won't do it, me being the good shepherd will. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. We see wolves here. We know that in the scriptures, wolves are... Men who come in and try and disrupt the church. We see throughout the scriptures them talking about wolves. And the comparison of who a wolf is, is someone who's coming to try and disrupt the church. Trying to teach you something that isn't biblically sound. Who's trying to bring something into your life that can pull you away from who God is and what God has for you. 
could be a false prophet, it could be a false teacher, it could be someone who just doesn't understand the scriptures and is teaching you incorrect doctrine and theology that Jesus says, I'm here to protect. Because remember, in this context of the story, in John chapter 9, John chapter 10, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are yelling at him about healing somebody on the Sabbath day. And Jesus is there correcting their theology and letting them know hey, I'm the one who invented the Sabbath, and if God wants to show up and heal somebody, if God wants to restore a relationship, if God wants to do something, he's going to show up and do it. And whatever the Pharisees or Sadducees' laws are, God says, you made those laws, not me. He's a protective shepherd. In 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25, we've heard this top scripture before, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Verse 25, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. The shepherd and the overseer of your soul. There's a lot of things that, that can come against us in this life that can do damage to our souls. There's relationships. There's different things that can happen in our lives where damage can happen to our souls. Or we can be hurt. God, where, where were you in this? Or what happened here? Or I was expecting this and this happened. And, but it says in this scripture that we have Jesus who is our shepherd and our overseer of my soul, that he oversees what happens in my soul, and he can help me in those moments before my soul gets damaged. He's already there, and he's moving, and he's working, and he's protecting, and he's kicking the wolves out of here, and he's running them off here, and he knows what can help me. He knows what can protect me, because we have a protective shepherd. I've got two left, and then I'm done. The perks of being a sheep. Number four, you have a caring shepherd. A caring shepherd. Verse 13 of John chapter 10, it says, The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So if the hireling doesn't care about the sheep, then we can understand and believe that the shepherd cares about the sheep. The hireling is just someone paid to watch the sheep. If you've ever owned your own business or you've ever been in management, you know who's there for a paycheck and who's there to really do the job. The people who stay extra, even when they don't get paid, the people who do this and that. You can see very quickly who cares and who doesn't. When you need a lending hand, who's there, who's not, who cares for you, who's there for you, who's protecting you. We see in Mark chapter 4, the story of Jesus calming the wind and the waves. Jesus says, hey, let's all get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. I'm going to go take a nap. You get us there. Jesus goes down to the bottom of the ship and passes out. Not a worry, not a care in the world. He's just sleeping. A storm shows up and water starts filling the boat. Jesus, being at the bottom of the boat, must be experiencing some of that water splashing on his face, coming into the boat, still sleeping. And here come the disciples. 
and they yell in his face. Who loves being yelled in their face when they're trying to sleep? Amen. That's a fun thing. Yet last night, uh, Faith is staying at the house, and she's sleeping in Noah's room, and so Noah's in our room, and uh, we have an air mattress on the bed, on the floor right next to our bed, uh, which is very easy access to our bed. I mean, there's no barriers for him to get out of his bed and into ours very quickly. In the middle of last night, we had, he slept in our bed while I was up finishing my sermon, and then Maddie went to bed. She picked him up out of our bed, put him in his air mattress on the floor, and uh, we got in bed. Probably three, four, five this morning, I hear a very angry four-year-old who yells, Hey, Dad! As I know in his tone, he's mad that we took him out of our bed and put him in the air mattress, probably losing air in some <laughs> small form. As I hear him stomping and crawling in between us as he curls up next to me and immediately starts snoring. Can't say no to a four-year-old. That's that cute. But nobody likes to be yelled at at four. Hey, Dad! All right, kid. Calm down. As these disciples are yelling in Jesus' face as he's trying to take a Sunday nap, Jesus, do you care that we're about to die? Water is overtaking, the wind is blowing, the ship is sinking. Do you even care? I can see Jesus stretching, seeing the water filling the boat, probably laughing to himself as he walks to the front of the boat. Peace be still, and the waves and the wind just stop. That Jesus is not excited by our emotion. How many times have we gone to God with that same statement? Jesus, do you care? My marriage is falling apart. Do you care that my parents don't love me? Do you care that the bills are due? Do you care that this job is terrible? Do you care about this diagnosis? Jesus, do you care? And there's this emotion that rises up inside of us. Jesus isn't phased by emotion. Jesus is phased by faith. Because as soon as he calms the wind and the waves, he looks at them and says, where's your faith? I told you to get to the other side. We were, what do you mean? I was going to the other side. I don't know. There was no worry. It doesn't matter what was coming against us. It doesn't matter what storm, what, what rain. The boat could have filled complete with water. Could have gone to the bottom of the sea. I said we were going to the other side, and a miracle was going to happen either way, and we were going to get there. God is not moved by our emotional outbursts, but what he's moved by is faith. And he's moved and ready to respond because he's a caring God. He didn't freak out with the disciples. Oh my God, oh my God, you're right. We don't see him jumping up and down and bailing water with them. Oh goodness, thank God y'all woke me up. Or I guess thank me that y'all woke me up. He's bailing water out. Oh my goodness. Why didn't y'all wake me up earlier? We're going to sink. We're going to die. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge that. He just goes to the source, takes care of it, doesn't get emotional about it. Peace be still. Then he turns to them. Where's your faith? We're going to the other side. Calm down. In 1 Peter 5.7, we've heard this scripture before. It says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for us. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. There's no caveat there to how much cares you can cast upon him. 
Jesus doesn't say, cast ten cares a year upon me, and I'll answer half of them. You know what? You've been a Christian a little bit longer than these newbies. I'll go ahead and give you 20 cares this year. I'll answer 15 of them, and we'll go forward. Oh, you're a brand new Christian? Yikes. We'll give you one care. One care. Oh, you give this much to the church? One care a month. Here we go. Let's, let's knock it out. No, no, no. Cast all your cares upon him because he can handle them because he cares for us. He doesn't want to see you go through what you're going through. He doesn't want you to continually have those emotional outbursts. He wants you just to trust in him and cast those cares upon him because he cares for you. He's a caring shepherd. And number five, I'm finishing up. You have a personal shepherd. A personal shepherd. John 10, 11 through 14. I am the good shepherd. I'm sorry, verse 14, the last verse. I am the good shepherd. Once again, he's reaffirming. Third time he says it. I am the good shepherd. In case you didn't get it the first time, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The very next statement he says in verse 11 is, oh, I, the good shepherd, in case you didn't get it. Now we're at verse 14. He says, hey, hey, I know it's been a couple of verses. Maybe you forgot. Just want to remind you, I'm the good shepherd. A lot of bad shepherds out there. A lot of whatever out there, but I'm the good one. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. Jesus knows you, knows who you are, saw you formed in the womb, knows the purpose and plan that he's placed inside of you. It's a hope and a future. It's not bad. It's good. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see your family succeed. Jesus in the Christian walk, when we see the church being born, individuals, it just wasn't individuals getting saved. It was whole households being saved. Joshua talks about, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That God is a generational God. He wants to see your parents, your grandparents, you, your kids, your grandparents, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. He's a generational God. He wants to see us succeed. And He knows us by name. He knows who we are. He knows what we're going through. He's personable. He wants to be right there, Genesis 2, at the cool of the day, Genesis 3, just walking and talking with us. That's why we have a Bible filled with names. It doesn't just say, oh, the king of Israel. Oh, the, the, the random fella who got the Israelites out of Egypt. Oh, a couple disciples. No, Jesus, God is personable. Adam and Eve, the first ones I created. Abraham. The one who formed a covenant with me. Moses, the deliverer. Joshua, the one that brought them into the promised land. King Saul, the first king. King David. King Solomon. The prophets weren't just known as prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. We get to the New Testament and Jesus calls his disciples, calls 12 of them by name. The Apostle Paul shows up on the scene and he has men and women who help him in ministry. God is just not about a whole group of people. He loves everyone, but he wants to come down on a personal level. He wants to spend time with you and your name specific. In John chapter 10, verses 3 through 4, this is just previous to the passage that we're studying. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He knows you by name. He knows his sheep by name. It's a lot of sheep that he's responsible for when it comes to the body of Christ. A whole bunch of sheep all throughout the world. And he knows Jeremiah Paul Land, who was born August 28, 1986, Lake Charles, Louisiana. He's pastoring at a town in South Carolina. He knows me by name. And as we finish, you can come. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The writer of Hebrews is finishing his long, lengthy letter with this statement right here. That the God of peace brings our Lord Jesus from the dead, who is now the great shepherd. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. God makes it known after Jesus dies on the cross. No, he's not good. He's great. He's the great shepherd. He's the shepherd of all the shepherds that have ever come. He is the greatest shepherd of them all. It says in the scriptures, he's given the enemies as his footstool. At his name, everything must bow. On heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, him being the great shepherd, what is his job? What does he want to do? What does he want to see? He wants to make you complete in every good work, every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen to the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd today. And you being one of his sheep, being a part of the family of God, have so many perks, so many things, so much access that we truly don't even abide by at times. If you truly knew the access and the relationship that you could have with this great shepherd, it would change your life forever. He's a great shepherd. The five perks, he's a great shepherd. He's a giving shepherd. He's a protective shepherd. You have a caring shepherd and you have a personal shepherd today. Use those perks. Step into those perks. Those are yours. Those have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, by the shepherd himself. Those perks are available to you at any time to reach out to him in whatever you need. You need a great shepherd today? Reach out to him. You need somebody to care? He's the caring shepherd. He's there for you. Do you have wolves attacking you in your life, in your finances, in your family, in your relationships, in your mind? He's a protective shepherd. You feel like you're all alone and nobody cares who you are. Nobody even knows your name. You have a personable shepherd today who knows your name and is calling your name today. And whatever you need from him, you have a giving shepherd who's not looking to hold anything back from you. 
He wants to feed you. He wants to clothe you. He wants to give you a haircut. He wants to trim you up. He wants to give you a bath. He wants to pour oil on you. He wants to shear you. He wants to cheer you on. He wants to heal you. He wants to restore you as a sheep. Find out the perks of being a sheep and enjoy them. Amen. Let's stand up today as we get ready to go. Father, we thank you today for being a great shepherd, for being my great shepherd, for being our great shepherd, for revealing your perks to us as being sheep. We can come and lay in your lap. We can come and get whatever we need from you today. I just need a good shepherd today. I just need something good to happen in my life. I'm leaning on you. I just need this or that in my life. Father, you're my giving shepherd. I'm leaning on you. Father, the wolves are attacking here and there. I need you to scatter them. Protect me, Father. I need you right here today. I need you just to talk to me and be with me and be and know who I am. Father, I thank you for these people today. I thank you for your sheep that are here today. That they now know who their shepherd is. They now know the opportunity that they have to interact with their shepherd. Father, let us never forget it. That we don't get caught up in the emotions of life. But that we stand true to the faith of what our shepherd has done for us. How he's protected us. How he's taken care of us. How he's loved us. How he's restored us. Father, you know the needs of the people here. Be with them today. Encourage them today. Speak to them today. Use them today. Father, let this seed, let this word fall on good ground in their spirits. Father, I thank you they have the mind of Christ. Father, I thank you that their body is the temple of the Most High God. Where you reside, no sickness or disease can reside there because by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. Father, I thank you they're the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Because we are your sons and daughters, because we are your sheep, the favor of God surrounds us like a shield. Finally, Father, thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. Scripture says we are a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Father, use us this week to share our testimony with people we come in contact with to tell them about the great shepherd and to invite them to church. Bring them back safely, Father. Bless them. Protect them. Keep them safe. Bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Faith, for being here these last two Sundays. We appreciate it. God bless. Y'all take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.